Nyata, hello. It's Alison here from a church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary. Now my mother loved beautiful clothes. She wore designer silk dresses and an embroidered purple caftan. She tripped around in Spanish platform sandals. But perhaps her most precious garment was a simple blue bomber jacket given to her by some Cambodian widows. These women were outworkers, which means that they worked at their kitchen tables at their sewing machines with no worker protections and no holiday pay, sewing mass market clothes for a pittance. They made the jacket as a gift for her, their pastor, for they were also members of the congregation. Today is Mother's Day, and the lectionary has thrown us a reading about a woman who, like those Cambodian women, was good and generous and engaged in traditional women's work. For Tabitha, too, was a sempstress. As the story goes, she sewed clothes for the widows of her community. And she got sick, she died. And Peter raised her to new life. And so I have no doubt that in many churches around our nation today, we'll get a sentimental Proverbs 31-style sermon which will praise traditional mothers and women's work, and which will incidentally make a whole lot of women feel patronised, coerced, miserable, excluded or ashamed. I think we can do better than this. So drawing on the story and my own history, there are two themes which I'd like to pull out. The first is the role of women in the church, which, to be extremely clear, has never been limited to womanly duties or motherhood. At Joppa, we meet Tabitha, who is also known as Dorcas. She's a disciple so important to the life of a multicultural community that she is named in two languages. She sews clothes for people, a vital activity before the invention of mass production. She's also generous, and she does good work. Then we meet the widows, Sure, they send men along dangerous bandit-ridden roads to fetch Peter, but it is the widows who are gathered around Tabitha. It is the widows who are caring for her body. It is the widows who are praying for healing, and it is the widows who witness to her ministry. These women, these people who are most burdened by loss and grief and poverty and low social status, are seen here caring, praying, seeking healing and witnessing. In other words, they are doing the fundamental work of the church. In the church in which I grew up, my mother preached, but I also watched as women helped settle recently arrived refugees. They rustled up furniture and clothing and children's toys, and they told their menfolk to keep Saturdays free to move people into public housing. I watched women act as advocates at Centrelink and meet with a local MP and run a drop-in centre for unemployed street kids and organise, of course, a casserole bank. They wrote letters and folded bulletins and organised prayer circles. They washed countless dishes and made endless cups of tea. They worked long hours to make ends meet. And then they sewed generous gifts and cooked up huge batches of spring rolls and sausage rolls for church lunches. 
They knitted warm jumpers. They arranged homegrown flowers. They cooked for church camps. They remembered birthdays and death days. It's not that men didn't participate in the life of the church, and they did plenty. But from my child's eye view, I always seemed to be surrounded by bustling, organising, giving women who made sure that everyone had something to wear and something to eat and a hug and a chat and prayer when they needed it. And it seems to me that this is the way it has always been. That is, women have always formed the beating heart of the church. It's evident in the New Testament. And it's been the reality of almost every church I've been part of. For in every healthy congregation, there is a Tabitha. She lives on in every person who turns up with soup or a warm coat or 50 bucks or a listening ear. No faith community can survive without her. This is why she was so important to the disciples at Joppa. And this is why the widows gathered and prayed and sought healing. Because without Tabitha, without women, the church withers and dies. Of course, I don't necessarily mean Proverbs 31 type women, although some women, like our Cambodian friends, can look a bit like that. Instead, whether single, married, widowed or divorced, straight, gay or trans, citizen, migrant or refugee, old or young, volunteer or professional, women form the backbone of the church. Some of them are mothers and some are not. Some engage in traditional women's roles and some do not. Some are recognised as ministers, others are not. But one way or another, without women's participation and prayer, there would be no church. So today, let's name and honour that. The second thing I want to draw out is new life. We are told that Peter, following the pattern of Jesus, raises Tabitha out of death. Now, I don't know how, and I don't know why we don't see such dramatic events in this day and age, but I do recognise echoes with my childhood church, for it wasn't always multicultural. It began as a white congregation in the middle suburbs, and when I was five, it was quite literally dying. By this I mean that over the course of two years, A third of the congregation, 60 people, died. Some folk simply reached their three score years and ten, but many others were much younger. Between cancer, car accidents and coronaries, parents in their 30s, 40s and 50s were struck down, leaving spouses, children and a whole community reeling. One day... Everything changed. One day a Cambodian widow turned up. She sat through the service in silence and she left straight afterwards, speaking to no one, for she had no English. But the next week she returned, bringing 40 or so Cambodian friends and relatives. Recent boat arrivals from a Thai border camp. They were living at a refugee hostel and looking for a church. And they came, and they stayed, and they showered us with gifts. 
my mother's jacket, tube socks, spring rolls, digital watches and chocolate from the local factory, where many of the women who weren't outworkers had found a job. Sometime after their arrival, someone asked what had prompted them to join the church, and the answer was simple. The woman who first visited had gone back to the hostel and said, I've found people who know grief. Without a word, without a shared language, she had read the faces and recognised the pain. And given the brutal regime from which she and the others had fled, given the terrible losses they had suffered, she was looking for a place that knew grief, and she found it in a church full of widows and widowers. Now, I am sure that nobody in the congregation anticipated this. They were gathering regularly and praying desperately, perhaps in terrible wordless groans, perhaps in the silence of despair, perhaps begging for new life and healing. I'm just guessing at their prayers. I was a child at the time. But it seems to me that God responded in spades. For nothing could bring back all the people who died in the eastern suburbs. Not Lance or Sula or Roy or Barbara or anybody else. And nothing could bring back all the people who'd been murdered in the Cambodian killing fields or who died of starvation and disease under the Khmer Rouge. The grief remained. But new life and new love, new relationships, even new marriages emerged. In gathering together and being drawn into community, we became a new family in God. And with this came resurrection and healing. Today might be Mother's Day, but more importantly it's a season of Pascha, when we celebrate the resurrection life of our risen Lord Jesus. This is a life which death could not hold and which pours from Jesus into Peter and to Tabitha and to every faith community ever since. The new community at Joppa, which in a patriarchal society took women seriously, which cared for its most vulnerable members, which included people from multiple language groups and which loved beyond biological families, showed that Jesus is alive as it witnessed to a new way of being community together. And Jesus is alive now, when like the community at Joppa and like the church of my childhood, we join with people from different backgrounds to form communities of faith. When our love transcends age and race and class and culture and physical and intellectual capability and sexuality and gender and personality type and any other obstacle that we place in front of relationships, that is, when we choose to share our lives and worship with people across human boundaries, not just in the abstract, but in the flesh, then Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive when, like the early disciples, we honour those who care for others as greatly as we honour those who engage in public ministries. When we raise up those who make soup and sew clothes and care for kids and tend the sick and sit with the dying and give sacrificially and come alongside people in their need and pray. 
And when we recognise and name such activities as ministry, even and especially when done by women, then Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive when, like Tabitha, we use our gifts to serve the most vulnerable. And when our service witnesses to a life so radiant and abundant that death cannot stop us and others come to faith, then Jesus is alive. And so as you reflect on tonight's story and our life together and our post-lockdown fragmentation and sadness, I invite you to wonder with me now. What are we praying for? Are we praying for newness of life? Where is newness emerging among us? Where do we glimpse Jesus' resurrection life? And is it what we expected? I'll leave you to wonder about that. There's always more to read on our website at sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. And if you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal. And you can find the details for this on the website. This recording was made on the lands of the Pequorong people of the Eastern Ma Nation. And I pay my respects to Elders past and present. This week, there's a crisp chill in the air. Tussock grasses are sending out new green shoots and the skies are leaden grey with rain. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen. <laughs>